This podcast is brought to you by Pastor Stormy Swan and Faith Church from Lubbock, Texas. For more information, please visit our website at faithchurchlubbock.com. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Good to see you here. Your guests, we're glad you're here. If you're a regular, I'm glad to see you too. If you need a Bible, why don't you raise your hand real, real high, and our ushers would gladly get you one. Once you got a Bible, go with me to Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians 5, now we're several weeks into the series on the Lord will build my church, all based off of Matthew 16 where the Lord Jesus said, and I'll build my church and the gates of hell won't prevail against it. So this morning we're going to teach on an area of love, the love of God in this, and I believe it'll benefit you. Um, just the upcoming weeks, not next week, but I believe in two weeks from today, we're going to jump into the book of Revelation where Jesus wrote to the church at Thyatira. And it has specific information on a spirit of Jezebel. And so it's going to be on the uh, authority of the believer. I, I can just tell you right now, you don't want to miss that. It'll be some incredible revelations. Of, so just prepare you a little bit. So again today, we're going to jump. I'm, I'm going to hit a bunch of area of love today. I believe that it'll hit you wherever you're at. Maybe all of the areas. Maybe just one, but just open yourself up to the scripture. So you're going to Ephesians 5. We start here with John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. So what was the motivator that caused God to give his only begotten son? His love. And his love was a choice. His love was a self-will. God's, God's love is unconditional. So one of the reasons I, I'm going to highlight the love today was the Lord wrote to the churches there in Revelations 2 to the church at Ephesus, and it specifically says that that was the loveless church. And it highlights that, that at one time, this church had a love for Jesus and for other people, but it had diminished. And, and when I read that, I thought, man, alive one it shows me that the love of God can, can diminish in our lives. But number two, I don't want the love of God to diminish. Actually, I, I want it to multiply. So we begin here in Ephesians 5, verse 1. Therefore, be imitators of God as dear children. So he just told me right there that I, I'm to imitate God. I'm to mimic God. I'm, I'm to copy God as dear children, just as a child would want to imitate his natural father. Verse 2. And walk in love. And if you'll notice the verb walk right there, that's a verb. That's action. You're, go you're going to have to actually do something. Walk in love. And how am I to walk in love? As Christ also loved us. Now, this is the example right here. This is who I'm to follow. So, how did Christ love us? Now, watch real close what it says here. And he has given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God. So, if you read that correctly right there, Jesus gave himself, he offered himself, and he became a sacrifice. So if we read into that, 
That's exactly what he tells me and you, that my life is going to have to be that, that I give myself for his cause, that I sacrifice for his cause, and I make myself an offering to his cause. And he ends in verse 2 and he says this, for a sweet-smelling aroma. So my giving of myself, my offering of myself, and my sacrificing of myself, every one of those are a form of worship. That when I'm doing this, God looks and says, man, look how they're worshiping me. They're, they're worshiping me with their lives. They're, they're worshiping me with everything they have. So we get off here and we start saying about the love of God. Now, the Greek word for the love of God is agape, A-G-A-P-E, which means the God kind of love, or better stated, it means a divine love, a deep and constant love. So, you know, when you see the love of mankind, the love of mankind is like, well, if you love me, then I'll love you. But thank God, the God kind of love isn't that way. God's love is unconditional. And so no matter what we do, God still loves us. Turn with me. The book of Matthew chapter 22. Matthew 22, and as you're turning there, what would happen if we begin to ask God to grace us? Grace me, Father God, to be an imitator of you. Grace me to walk in love, Lord Jesus, like you did. And I believe it's a prayer that really, really could become significant in the times we live in. Uh, Matthew chapter 22, verse 34. But when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together. Now, this was about re uh, resurrections, what that was talking about. Then one of them, a lawyer, a religious expert, asked him a question, testing him and saying, Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Now, to understand the Pharisees, there was over 600 laws. And so this religious expert of this lawyer, he says, Tell us the greatest. I know there's some that are less important, but... I want to know the greatest. Verse 37. And Jesus said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. Now it's interesting Jesus' reply because man is made up, according to 1 Thessalonians 5.23, man is made up of spirit, soul, and body. So Jesus said, You are to love God with your heart. With your spirit, love him with everything inside of you. Love him with your body, your, your energy, everything on the outside. But he also said, love him with your mind, your soul. So if you know there, all, all my heart, all, all my soul, and all my mind. And we're to love God. In other words, this is the greatest. This is the greatest commandment of them all. Verse 38. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Now, when you look at this, I'm to love my neighbor. Well, who's my neighbor? People. Everybody you come in contact with, they become your neighbor. And I believe he wouldn't have commanded this if it wasn't possible. So, Lord, what would happen if he asked you to grace us in our side? I want to be a lover of people. I want to be a lover of all people. Watch what God will start doing. But there's a nugget in here that I want you to see today. And I want to read the last part of this verse again. He says, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Now, you know why that's especially important? 
because you can't give away what you don't have. And it's interesting, the Lord said, I command you not only to love God, but to love your neighbor. But he said, I command you to love yourself. Now, this isn't meant to be in a narcissistic way, a materialistic way, or a selfish way. This is to be in a godly, healthy way. And so I I love myself because God created me. He's not telling us to love ourselves like we're a Hollywood actor, uh, uh, an American idol. That's not what he's talking about. But what happens within our society more and more is I say, I don't like me. I don't like the way God created me. But yet something happens when I begin to think, well, you know, the Lord said in Psalm 139 that he wonderfully and fearfully and skillfully created me. And so I should have this love for myself that says, man, I like the way God created me. But what starts happening is this self-love that I have for myself, it starts to diminish. It starts to erode. When I start liking myself to other people, I start comparing myself. And then we have this thing in our life, messes and mistakes. How many of you have ever made a mess or a mistake in your life? And so what happens to that, instead of God becoming my identity, I start allowing those messes and those mistakes to become my identity. And I start living with self-hatred, self-bitterness, self-rejection. And then I start being vocal about myself. I start criticizing myself. And I live under this thing called condemnation, which is a a accusing voice. And so what happens there when I don't love myself? It chokes out the blessing of God. And we miss what God had for every one of us. I'm not going to have you raise your hand or anything right now. But I, I want this to sit on some of you. The question is right now, do you love yourself in a godly way? And only you know that, and I believe this with all my heart, that if you don't, my prayer is the day before you do, you start seeing yourself how God sees you. And I don't know that you're aware of this, but you come from incredible bloodline. What do you mean, Pastor? Well, when you got born again, you didn't come from corruptible blood. You came from an incorruptible blood of Jesus. You came in line with blood that is without spot or blemish. So when you gave your heart to Jesus, you took on his identity. Better yet, you took on Jesus' DNA. You took on Jesus' genetics. How how many of us in the natural, how many of you have ever been told, you look like your mama? Well, that's a good thing. Some of you say, not really. (laughs) You you look like your mama, but you act like your daddy. That's dangerous. But we understand genetics in the natural. But something happens when we get born again. And so what happens when we get born again? According to Revelations 12, 11, it says, we overcome by the blood of the lamb. 
So within every one of us is this thing called an overcomer. Not an undercomer, but an overcomer. And that's all because of the blood of Jesus. We don't get good to get God. We get God to get good. Tweet that one, okay? So I hear this story recently about this racehorse that had incredible genes. And he had a history of winner after winner after winner in his own bloodline. And there was a colt that was born from this same horse in this line of all these great racehorses. And within this colt, the day it was born, it had credible value. I mean, people were later, they're like, this is unbelievable, this horse. But why did this new colt have incredible value? It hadn't won one race. It hadn't had one victory. You know, everything that was viewed as valuable and great within it, it's because of his bloodline. Woo, we come from the blood of Jesus. We come incredible bloodline. It's not self-esteem, it's God-esteem. Turn with me to John chapter 13. John chapter 13, and as you're turning there, I, I believe a lot of times that Many times because of the mistakes, the choices, the shames, and guilt in our life, we allow those to overrule and override God's love. Let me remind you of something, again, what we sang this morning. God loves you so much that he'll leave the 99 for you. And God's love isn't based on my performance. God's love is unconditional. God loves me. God loves you. John 13, verse 34. A new commandment I give to you that you love one another as I have loved you that you also love one another. Now, this presses us beyond natural human inclination right here. So Christ's love is not motivated by human qualities. Christ's love is motivated by grace. That God will grace me. God desires to grace you. He goes on to say, by this, all will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. That's an interesting statement right here. He said, all will know that you're my disciples because of how handsome you are. He didn't say that. By how well you sing. By, by all your titles. By, no, 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 no. He said, They'll know you're my disciples. They'll know that you're sons and daughters of mine by your love. Now, you know how love is expressed? Love's expressed in two ways toward God. The way I love other people. God takes note of it because he said, they'll know you're my disciples by your love. But the other area that love is expressed to God is John 14, 15. He said, if you love me, then obey me. If you really love me, then obey me. So those are the two areas that we show or prove to God we really love him. How well are you obeying him? And how well do you love people right here? And so he goes on to say again, if you have love for one another. Now, the great evangelist Billy Graham said this. He said, the Holy Spirit's job is to convict. That's John 16. God's job is to judge, and you and me's job is to love. 
Who are we to love? We're to love God and we're to love people. 1 John 4, 7 and 8 says it this way. Beloved, let us love one another. He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. Wow. James 1, 27 says, true religion or true ministry is to love and to care for widows and orphans. Now, I like to look at it this way. Those who are overlooked, those ones that a lot of people don't pay any attention to. So I look at everything the Lord Jesus says. He says, we're to love our neighbor like ourselves. So there's commercial after commercial on our TV that says, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. You know what that literally means? When catastrophe shows up, when you get wiped out, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. But when I hear that, and guess what? State Farm just took that from the Word of God. That's all they did. It's kind of like Nike. Just do it. They took that from the Word of God too. But when I read like a good neighbor, State Farm's there, I had this thought. And I'm not against State Farm, okay? But I sure don't want State Farm out representing me than I do with God. I don't want that to be the standard. I want to be my love for God to be the standard room. People realize they'll be there. They'll be there, the love of God. Now, turn with me back into the Old Testament to 2 Samuel chapter 9. 2 Samuel chapter 9. And let me just say this about the love of God. The, the love of God does not lower standards. And the love of God doesn't compromise the word of God. That's not the love of God. And the love of God never intended for me and you to be a punching bag, a doormat, or a crash test dummy, okay? That's not the love of God. So we get ready to start in this passage here in 2 Samuel 9. And I, I want to give you a little idea sometimes how the Lord births sermons within me. Things that begin to happen in my life. It's like the Lord models that and says, this is what I want you to preach on. So Monday evening, my wife wasn't with me, and so I was in a part of town that I'm not in that often, and there's a little restaurant over there that I like to eat at. So I thought, I'm just going to go in there, little bitty place. So I get to the door, and people are lined up out of the door. I can't even get in, and I'm thinking, oh, Lord, are you trying to teach me patience again? So thank God, God moved. A couple of other people in front of me, they said, we're not waiting, we're leaving. I said, thank you, Lord Jesus, thank you. <laughs> so now I get into the doorway. Now, I'm, I'm going to give you a visual picture of this. I'm looking directly at the cashier. I'm probably five, six, maybe seven people deep. And I can see people order. Now, at this place, you order and you pay before your meal comes out. So I'm sitting there watching and this, this lady is paying, and her husband's there. And while she's paying, he walks over to this Coke machine, and he says to this person, what do you want? Well, I see him get a soda, and he pitches this guy. Well, I can't see. 
I can't see who he's talking to because I'm blocked out, but I'm witnessing everything. Well, the lady, she pays and they start walking out. And so I realize they didn't get any food. They, they're not going into the other room. They didn't get taken. They didn't get nothing. So in my Einstein mind, I realize they just paid for somebody's meal. So the guy and his wife are walking by me. He's a big man. I mean, big guy. Big, Goliath-looking guy. And he gets by me, and I grab him by the shoulder, and he kind of looks at me, and I said, I saw what you did. I said, God bless you. And he looked at me, and he grinned like, yes. So the line starts moving forward. And I'm getting in detail because there's reason for this. And so every person that goes up to order, they say, are you taking out or are you dining in? And so I'm watching all this. Well, as this line begins to move, I get past the Coke machine and I look over there and in this chair is a guy that everything in his life says homeless. Everything. He's got his backpack there with all his, his clothes, everything he's got. You can tell with his hair and his clothing, he hasn't bathed. So what's interesting when the people say they're going to eat there, they say, where, where do you want to sit? You want to sit over here or over there? Every one of them said, we want to go over here. They didn't want to get by him. So it's my turn and I order. And the guy said, where do you want to sit? And I said, right there. Right there. Which was as close to that guy as I could get. I said, I want to sit right there. So I walk over and, and I, I get close to him. And I said, good evening, sir. He won't even look up. I said, God bless you. It's good to see you here. He doesn't look up. So I sit down and a few minutes later, my waiter shows up. He said, what do you want to drink? I said, just water. So he shows back up with my water. And the Lord had begun to prompt me in this area. People don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. So I, I wish I could tell you I had thousands of dollars in my wallet. I don't. I don't carry a lot of money. And I'm not saying this to lift me higher, okay? But I take out everything, I clean out my wallet, and then I realize, oh my gosh, I can't give him that. I gotta leave a tip, so I can't do that. So I wad up everything I got, and I tell my waiter, I said, give every bit of this to this guy. And I said, I don't want him to know at all where this came from. I said, you got it? He goes, got it. So I watch over him, and he goes over there, and he gives it to him. And the guy just looks up, glances a little, and puts his head down. And he begins to eat. And I, I can tell he's hungry the way he's eating. I mean, us men, we can eat. We can chow down. I can eat. I mean, but this guy, he's tearing it up. Well, my food is coming. About that time, the door opens. And this guy steps in around the Coke machine. And he looks at me. And I had a ball cap on. I don't wear a ball cap that much. But I had a cap on. And he stares at me and goes, Pastor? And I said, it's me. It is me. He comes over and he pulls a chair down and he sits down. 
And he said, I guess I should have asked you if I could do that. I said, no, you're good. So he starts pouring his life. I mean, we're just having a counseling session right there. I'm talking to him about the things of God. Well, while he's talking to me, I look at my homeless buddy. He's leaving. I'm like, wait, wait, wait. That dude cannot leave yet. So I finish eating as fast as I can, and I realize he's got about a five or seven minute head start on me. And I said, Lord, you, you got you to gotta, uh, let me find where he's at. So I get out, and I can't, I can't find him. I'm looking around the building. I'm looking. I can't find him. There's a car wash. I can't find him. And God begins to move in my heart. And I'm, I'm telling you guys, I, I begin to weep. That it's one thing to give people natural bread. But what about the bread of life? The Lord Jesus. And I wept and I said, Father God, I, I know there was stuff given to him monetarily, but my, my greatest desire is I wanted to make sure that guy knew God loves you and, and, and that you're born again. That's my greatest desire to make sure. And I said, Lord, you can't let him get away. And so, man, the rest of the evening, I thought, golly, I blew an opportunity to, to make sure this guy knew Jesus. Why do you tell that story? Let's read. 2 Samuel 9, verse 1. Now David said, is there still anyone who's left the house of Saul that I may show him kindness for Jonathan's sake? And you know what King David just said? I, I, I want to show someone loving kindness. I, I want to do that from my heart. Let me ask you something right now. Do you have any type of seed within your heart that wants to show people the kindness of God? If you don't, God's going to work on you this morning, okay? Verse 2. And there was a servant of the house of Saul whose name was Ziba. So when they had called him to David, the king said to him, Are you Ziba? And he said, At your service. Then King David said, Is there still not someone of the house of Saul to whom I may show the kindness of God? Now he shifts a little bit what he said. First he said, I want to show him kindness. Now he says, I, I want to show him the kindness of God. So you know what King David just does? He just does Ephesians 5.1. He says, I want to imitate God. I want to be like my heavenly father. And I think this is huge for every one of us in here. That if I'm, I'm really born again and I love, Lord, soak that, marinate in that in my heart. I want to be a person that shows people your kindness, Father God, where I look and say, my God has been so, so good to me. And because he's been so, so good to me, I want to be so, so good to you. Into verse 3. And Ziba said to the king, there's still a son of Jonathan who's lame in his feet. You know what that means? King David, he's messed up. He's not what we call normal. He's lame in his feet. So you know what Ziba says to King David? I don't believe you want to waste your time or your resources on him because he's messed up in life. Woo. But watch King David's reaction, verse four. So the king said to him, where is he? 
And Ziba said to the king, Indeed, he is in the house of Meshur, the son of Emil, in Lodabar. Then King David sent and brought him out of the house of Meshur, the son of Emil, from Lodabar. Verse 6. Now when Mephibosheth, this is the lame guy right here, Mephibosheth. Don't name your children Mephibosheth, okay? Don't do that. Don't do that. Now when Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, had come to David, he fell on his face and prostrated himself. He's lame in his feet. The king calls him. And he shows up. And I don't believe he just did that out of honor. I believe he did that because he felt unwanted, unvalued, and unneeded. And I believe he was doing that because I think in his thoughts he was thinking, are you going to laugh at me? Are, are you going to ridicule me? Are you going to mock me? Are you going to make fun of me? Because that's what everybody else does. Then David said to Mephibosheth, and he answered, here's your servant. So David said to him, do not fear. So there's a nugget in there. He's in fear. He's thinking, I don't know what he's going to do to me. Now watch King David here. Do not fear, for I will surely show you kindness for Jonathan, your father's sake, and I will restore to you all the land of Saul, your grandfather, and you shall eat bread at my table continually. I'm, I'm going to take care of you continually. Surely I'm going to show you the kindness of God. So you know what King David said? That God's kindness that's in me, it's going to be on display to you. And, and what would happen if we ask God to begin to grace us, that I would see people through God's eyes, I would see people through Jesus' tears. I think it would change us. And he said, I, I want to restore to you. You know what restore to means? I want to take you back to your original value. We restore cars, we restore furniture. You know what that means? We make them new again. And he said, I want to take care. And, and he said, I, I want to make sure you have food all the days of your life. And, and you would think when Mephibosheth heard this, he'd say, yea, verily, yes. But, but watch the reaction here in verse 8. And he bowed himself again. And he said, what is your servant that you should look upon such a dead dog as I? Why would you notice me? Why, why would you have regard for me? Don't you see I'm ugly, I'm stupid, I'm a zero value? And I wonder how many people we come across daily, weekly, But this is how they view themselves. I'm nothing more than a dead dog. Now, 
I'll stop right here just a second. Maybe that's you that's sitting here right now. Maybe you have that feeling. Would anybody even notice me if I was gone? Would anybody even notice me if I died? See, this was what was birthed in me on Monday night. I, I rewind a lot, a lot of years ago. And my job was I worked in the alleys for a water company. And I don't know if you've ever spent much time in the alleys every day. But you don't see your city's finest in the alleys. You see the homeless. You see the nobodies. The why knows. And it was incredible teaching to my life when I would get around those people. And there's times in my life that the Lord will continually to stir this up within me. Don't forget them. And when you get around people, that smell of not bathing, they smell of the dumpster, they smell of urine, remember this thought. Jesus died for that smell. Wow. Verse 13. Aren't you glad he came to church today? So Mephibosheth dwelt in Jerusalem for he ate continually at the king's table. And P.S. He was lame in both his feet. But what you see here, he was still worthy to eat at the table. And just like Mephibosheth, People act the way they do because they've been dropped. When he was a young boy, a nurse dropped him. And he became damaged in his feet. And there's many people in this room right now that have been dropped. You've been damaged. You've been beat up. You've been ridiculed. But just because that happened doesn't disqualify you for the love of God. Actually, I believe it qualifies you. And so again, the, the love of God must be expressed. God's own love provoked him to do something. The love of God is, is a verb. I, I, I gotta get out of my comfort zone. I, I gotta say, Lord, grace me to show love and kindness. Do you know, I believe personally that the very thing that will trigger revival in our nation and trigger revival in our city and right here is the love of God. Why would people want to come to church when they're treated horrible? The, the love of God is what identifies us as, uh, as Christ's disciples. Now, I'm going to drop a bomb on you right here, okay? If huge revival took place in this church, 
Would you continue to come to this church because of all the different people it started attracting? Got to remember this. Jesus paid a huge price for all people. He paid a huge price. And I believe within every one of us, God not only wants to anoint our heart with love, I, I think he wants us to do something with our eyes that our, our eyes become like a radar for God when, when we see people. And we have the opportunity to do good to them. Why don't you stand up here with me? Boy, I got quiet in this Episcopalian church. Again, I'm not, I'm not throwing stones at anybody. Just preaching the word. Don't you bow your head with me. How am I doing with the commandments that he gave me? How do I do with my love toward God? Do I give him first place? How am I doing with loving my neighbor? You know, we used to sing this simple song and Oh, how he loves me so. Oh, how he loves me so. Oh, how he loves you so. And if you're here today and you say, he he can't love me because of all the things I've done. Remember, his love's unconditional. If you're here today and that's you, say, and I, I need to experience his love again in a maybe a new way, maybe a fresh way. If you're watching by live stream, I believe I'm talking to some of you. I, I welcome you to come to the altar and say, that's me. What about this? We're to impotate God. Do you know, God's not only the one that saves us, God's the one who makes us. God's the one who He's the potter, we're the clay. He continually molds me. What would happen if I said, Lord, grace me. Grace me today to imitate you. Grace me today, Lord, that I am a walking distribution of your loving kindness. Grace me so much in this area that it shocks me, Father God, how your love is released through me. That's bold right there, if that's you. And I welcome you. Say, man, I I need a fresh touch of heaven. You know, in the first service, they just start coming down. Just waves of them. Just on each one of these. You know, I want to be a history maker. Like King David was. I, I want to be known as one that says, surely, surely, I can show him the kindness of God. I'm going to go a little further here off of this. If you feel like today you're a dead dog, I call it the dead dog syndrome. I'm not worthy. Why would you recognize me? Why would you regard me? Would you even notice if I left this place? You know what our team's going to begin to sing? 
I, I, I welcome you today to come to the altar. Whatever it is, just to get a fresh touch. And you know, my thought was this morning, Lord, if they'll know we're your disciples by your love, how we have that toward other people and you. I need to be baptized of the Holy Spirit in love today. I, I need, do, do you know in Galatians 5, and 23, the very first fruit of the Spirit that's mentioned is love? I'm going to throw up my hands again this service and say, Lord, overdose me on the love of God. Is that possible? I don't know. We might as well see. Go ahead, guys. Thank you once again for joining us on this podcast. To check out more services from Faith Church, you can find our live broadcast on YouTube or check out our website at faithchurchlubbock.com for more information on upcoming events, how to give, and how you can get involved.